Welcome to the Internet Report. My name is Angelique Medina, and I'm joined by my co-host, Archana K. Savan. Hey, guys. And what we're going to cover is all of the events of, uh, that are worth noting that happened on the Internet last week. And last week was actually a very busy week for us because we saw a service outage at YouTube. There was an issue with, uh, with Slack on Tuesday of last week. We also saw a pretty big Google network outage. And what else? There was also some regional sites that had some issues. So we're going to cover all of that on the show today. So lots to unpack, a lot of application-related stuff, a little bit of network stuff, and we'll do some stats. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and get started. And as I mentioned uh, last week, and I'll, I'll go ahead and mention that again here for those of you who do not subscribe yet to the Internet Report, we cover a lot of really interesting stuff, a lot of it network related or internet related, but a lot of it also related to the availability and performance of applications and services like we're going to spend a lot of time with today. So uh, go ahead and check us out. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and anywhere that you get your uh, podcasts. So with that, we're going to start with um, the YouTube service outage because that is the outage that really got the most attention uh, for, for users because it was also a global issue. Mm -hmm. So the way that it unfolded was, um, you know, we see here this happened on uh, May 14th, which is uh, last Thursday. And it happened around uh, four uh, ish or so. Four thirty, four forty-five PST. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it it basically was a uh, situation in which users all over the globe, so not just in the U.S. or on the West Coast, um, were just simply not able to load content on uh, the YouTube site and. YouTube themselves uh, later issued a statement basically saying, you know, so this came from YouTube, they put a tweet out saying that if you're exper experiencing um, error messages, that they had fixed the issues and, and they had said that it really only lasted about 20 minutes. So what we saw during the outage is pretty interesting. It, it really does um, uh, corroborate uh, what YouTube was saying in terms of the duration of the outage. So. What we can say kind of right up front is that it wasn't an, a network issue. So we were seeing that for all of the, the paths from users to uh, Google's front door, their edge servers, uh, servers, everything looked pretty clean. And we keep mentioning Google here because, of course, Google um, is the, the owner um, for YouTube, right? So it's one of, YouTube is one of Google services. So we could see, um, you know, for a variety of locations around the globe, and I'm just going to go to this map here so you can kind of see what, what we're looking at from a coverage standpoint. So in this particular instance, we're testing to YouTube.com, and, and this represents a pretty nice distribution of users around the globe. We've got U.S., Europe, Australia, Asia, and, you know, just at a first glance, everything looks green here, and we can even see that you know, during the, the time of the incident, so again, it's around 4.20 uh, p.m. on the 14th, um, the HTTP get, um, you know, all of that looks good. So basically Google's front door is reachable. 
So this was interesting, right? Because people are not complaining that they couldn't load or get to YouTube. They couldn't load kind of the videos in YouTube. So um, reaching the front door um, was not the problem. Um, Just the availability of the server, as you're seeing here, was not necessarily the problem. I think the detail lies in terms of when the page is actually loading, what's, what's happening. So what's interesting here is that, you know, we can see in this, in this particular um, kind of uh, time series data up here is basically tracking how long it takes on average to load um, uh, YouTube.com. And during the period of time when people are complaining, the page load time actually went down. And at first glance, you might think, oh, that's actually a good thing, right? You should be able to load the page faster. But in fact, um, what this is um, you know, indicative of is that there are certain components that are really critical to the service that are just not able to load. And that's why there's um, the overall time to load the page is reduced. So if we just look at an example here, so let's just um, you know click on Ashburn. Um, so again, we see you know they are experiencing the same thing. You know, there's all kinds of um, stuff going on here. What's pretty notable is that during the um, course of the outage, um, we are seeing that there are um, uh, basically like 500 errors. So. From one particular component, like like the Ajax yeah. file right, right there. Right. Yeah. So there's browse um, underscore Ajax object um, is throwing up a 500 error. What's interesting about this is that if you go back in time to when the service was available, we don't see this error anymore. And the same thing, you know, afterwards as well. Um, you know, it goes away. But during the outage, it's there. The other thing that's kind of interesting, you know, because um, Ajax um, basically, um, you know, it's it's sort of a mechanism that's kind of keeping a request flow in place as you're interacting with the web page. And so in looking at what the page overall looks like before, during and after, we can see, for example, that um, before, when we weren't seeing this particular object, um, we can see that we're loading uh, some of these domains, so these video-related domains, and everything looks good. During the course of the outage, they're not available, and when the outage is uh, addressed a little bit later, they're back up, right? Mm-hmm. So during that 20 minutes, we don't see them, and then they they come back, and that's really kind of been the, the case across the board with um, other locations as well. So we can see like Bucharest, for example, similar behavior. So I think uh, one thing that was interesting here in terms of the time it took to resolve, mm-hmm. uh, especially in with that, you know, kind of um, that stray Ajax component showing mm-hmm. up is in some locations, we noticed that it took about 10 minutes for the issue to get resolved. But in some other locations, it took about 20 minutes. Russia was um, a good example there uh, where, you know, we saw that it took about 20 minutes um, for the issue to get resolved. Um, And it was kind of interesting just given the time uh, when this happened, right? This happened around 4.30 p.m. in um, the West Coast of the U.S., probably pretty late night in Russia. So if around 2.30 in the morning, yeah. 
Right. So if there was a push in terms of resolution that was, you know, done, which, which was obviously done, it kind of rotated around the more critical areas first, um, which is kind of intelligent and I think smart way to handle um, yep. you know, um, any change. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because we saw that it took about the 20 minutes that Google indicated for um, Moscow, Kazan, and Turkey, Turkey, which, you know, they're not going to be at the top of their priority list because it's like in the middle of the night and people are probably not heavily using the service, but it came back faster, not only in the US, but even in the UK, in which it's, it's still like around midnight, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of interesting in terms of how the um, service outage resolved. So had some objects that or an object a particular object that we saw that was consistent throughout the um, service outage that was throwing a 500 error a lot of other components of the page just weren't sim simply were not available during um, that period across the board and then um, it resolved within roughly 10 minutes for users in the US and and Western Europe and then a little bit longer 20 or so minutes uh, for some users, um, in particular, we saw Russia, Turkey. Uh, so that's, uh, it was kind of um, a little, it was a, you know, a bit of a brouhaha on social media about not being able to use uh, YouTube, uh, which, you know, is, a, is an essential service at, uh, you know, at 4 p.m.-ish in the afternoon on the West Coast. On a weekday. On a weekday, of course. For 20 minutes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty tragic. Uh -huh. uh, so, so that's what we saw as far as the um, the YouTube um, service issue. And you know, as YouTube says, they 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 acknowledged it and and had it resolved within about twenty minutes. Now, what was interesting was that on the same day, we also saw a sizable network outage. So again, this was not related to any Google specifically to a Google service or application related. It was infrastructure within Google's network in the India region was um, was having issues. So we can see here, this was again, same day, May 14th on a Thursday, um, and it was uh, 2245 UTC. I, you know, I'm, somebody has to do the math on that in terms of what time it was on the, um, on uh, the West Coast, where I am, and then of course, Archana, you're in um, New York on the East Coast. So we saw here that for users in India, there was um, a pretty significant, you know, number of nodes here that was impacting the reachability of Google services. So mm -hmm. users in that region connecting to you know, a variety of Google services may have experienced a disruption in reaching some of those services. So that was around the same time, um, mm. you know, around the YouTube outage, but they were, you know, mutually independent, like one was right. not impacting the other. So it yeah. was, yeah, around 4.45 actually p.m. Um, it's around the same time. Which is interesting because when we started to kind of, you know, look at some of the complaints that people were, um, you know, or had on, on YouTube, some of them even had mentioned, you know, mm. Google and having issues there. And it's interesting because like in looking at this, you can definitely go down the path of like, you know, is it could it be network related? And this happened around the same time. 
but it's completely independent of this application issue. So just because it was correlated from a time standpoint doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it was, um, you know, the cause of the issue. Um, sometimes many different things can go wrong. Um, just having a, a spot of bad luck apparently uh, for Google on, on uh, May 14th. So um, kind of moving on from that, the other major um, service outage uh, that came up, and this was actually earlier in the week than the YouTube um, issue, that was Slack. Mm -hmm. And we definitely noticed it because suddenly, um, you know, I started getting a whole flurry of emails and, um, and text messages and just kind of wondering what was going on. And it turned out Slack was down. So you're talking so, about it, like the YouTube and the Slack outage, they happen around the same time, like around the 4.30, 4.45 uh, PST timeframe, two days apart. Yes, you're, you're right. They did happen around the same time. Yeah. So what Slack had said was that they had an issue with um, basically registering a set of servers or, the, or the, the, the number of servers that they needed to provision. So they provisioned, presumably they provisioned the servers they need to meet user demand. But they apparently did not successfully register those servers with their load balancer. And because of that, traffic wasn't distributing across those servers in an optimal way. And therefore, that degraded the health of the available servers, which then led to users not able to access the service in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. So a series of unfortunate events where one thing leads to another. Um, so this was, you know, their very brief statement on it. Uh, you know, hopefully when they complete their postmortem analysis, there'll be additional information on this. Um, but it does align with what we saw um, during the course of the outage. So this was um, kind of in the midst of this, right? We, see a lot of red here. And what this is showing is that um, we're effectively getting HTTP errors across most locations. And in some locations, um, we're, we're just simply not getting a response within, um, you know, five seconds and we're, we're, you know, effectively timing out. So clearly, this is global. This is um, not network related. Um, at least reaching the front door. Mm -hmm. And it does clearly seem to be something application related. So What's interesting, the, the, yeah. the, comparing this to the YouTube, right? The YouTube was not network related too, um, but mm -hmm. you know, HTTP was successful. Um, and that was related to yeah. how the page was loading in a particular component having an issue. This is, this is very interesting because this is again, not necessarily a network issue as you can see here reaching the front door of Slack, but it does translate into an HTTP issue uh, because the the, the, edge, the front servers were not necessarily responding because of a timeout um, or because we were actually getting another HTTP error as the service was unavailable. Itself. Right. So we were getting 503, a 503 error, which we'll take a look at in a moment, but basically it's just sort of translates to the service isn't available. And so no 
part of the, you know, the page itself was actually mm -hmm. loading, right? Yeah. Um, so um, just to kind of, just because they talked a little bit about their uh, server infrastructure and the fact that they were using a load balancer, just wanted to take a quick look at kind of their delivery architecture reaching their front door. So we can see here that there's a number of locations we have on the left-hand side connecting to their uh, front-end web servers. And they appear to be, I mean, Slack in this, in this case, they're sort of, um, they're hosted in AWS and you can see the specific compute instances they're um, using in various locations. You can also see that their um, IP addresses are fairly distinct. So most uh, locations are connecting to a specific IP address or, um, you know, many different IP addresses, not in any CAS service um, uh, by any means. Um, so they're clearly using some mechanism, probably DNS, to distribute traffic across their front um, door. The other thing that's interesting is that not all of their locations um, are kind um, of self-hosted. That's uh, right, yeah. So we saw at least two, um, the Cape Town location, where we see we're actually hitting CloudFront, mm -hmm. CloudFront Pop. And then the other one was... Um, I believe Cairo. Yeah, so Cairo is interesting because they're connect you're connecting here to yeah where did cairo go all the way down there you go cairo um is also connecting to cloud front, cloud front yeah um at a different pop mm -hmm. so the cape town uh location was connecting to a um a pop for cloud front in cape town and then cairo is connecting to a cloud front pop in frankfurt um, which is interesting because we saw during the course of this incident that we were getting um, kind of different um, Editor, uh, response was, uh, headers mm -hmm. um, as part of this 503 error. So, so it, in some cases, we noticed that, you know, um, if the, ed, um, the web server or the front door server, like, um, what Angelique was saying was just not responding. So it was timing out after five seconds, right? So one was we were not getting any response from the server itself. And the other condition was we were getting a 503 service unavailable response, but from Cairo and Cape Town specifically, we were seeing a very, um, seeing a response code that was, you know, that did indicate that they were front-ended by CloudFront um, for one. And then um, it was it was a X cache error from um, CloudFront right there. If you if you notice, um, yeah, which, so, which is interesting. Yeah, if we look just at Cairo, for example, we know that they're front ended by CloudFront, and we can see that during you know like normal conditions in which you're getting a correct 200 OK, um, that you're getting kind of like this miss from CloudFront, which. It probably indicates that CloudFront is doing what it's supposed to be doing and not caching um, what it's, uh, it's not caching anything, but is just basically the front door and then is retrieving what they need to retrieve from Slack. So that's like under normal conditions, they're basically just the go between between a user and the origin. Now, if the other um, front end servers that Slack is hosting are behaving in a similar way, 
where they have to go back to origin um, or some backend application server to service requests, that could be where the issue is. Um, and that does align with this 503 um, error. So it's possible that the server infrastructure um, availability or resourcing issue was on the back end, and that's mm -hmm. why it was so consistent across um, global users, right? Because it yep. was a kind of a fundamental availability issue. So that's sort of just a very quick um, look at what we saw there. You know, again, in keeping with um, what Slack had to say on uh, on the issue, um, and maybe when they, uh, you know, provide more details in their postmortem, we can dig a little bit more into um, how that uh, corresponds with what we're able to see. Right, right. Um, at this point, we can jump into um, our weekly analysis of how outages we're doing. Hmm. So let's get that right here. All right, so um, you know, week by week, we kind of analyze network outages in terms of you know how ISPs are doing, how cloud providers are doing, and so on. So the week of May 11th, um, as you can see here, we see a little bit of uptake in terms of um, the global outages, which includes all different network events, which can be you know in um, ISP networks, which can be in cloud provider networks. Um, a little bit of um, you know increase there, nothing to be. Uh, specifically alarmed about. In terms of um, ISP outages, similar trend with the global outages, but then cloud outages, as you see here, um, especially in the US has, has definitely gone down from three outages to one this week. So, I mean, it's, it's always interesting to see how this trend line's going. Um, we're kind of seeing a little bit of stability um, week by week. Um, and uh, we'll get to this again next week. But I think what's interesting here is that last, in our last episode, we had Arash, um, a senior researcher here, um, who kind of works on you know, the outages and how we kind of look at outages in the back end. And he was talking about how the network outages and these numbers that we talk about here really refer to um, when there is a 100% terminal loss um, in, in the infrastructure and the underlying network infrastructure, right? But outages not, does not have to necessarily manifest that way, like we saw in the case of YouTube, um, wherein you couldn't necessarily load particular uh, videos. And then in the case of Slack, there was no issue with getting from a network perspective, getting to the front door of Slack, but then there was another uh, backend issue that was probably causing that. What we saw interestingly is here, let me get to this particular view here. And what just what we saw in this particular instance is um, a French online uh, portal, a learning portal that kids are accessing. And over time for the last week, we noticed this, you know, increase in the page load times of this particular website. And as you can see, kind of co maps to time of day period, right? In the morning when the usage is high, we're starting to see some um, slowness, but then in the evening, things kind of taper down here. I think what was really interesting is when we kind of dug into the details of it, um, we noticed some display images, um, which were not really critical to the website, uh, but those display images were taking really long um, to load. For instance, if you click on this image and um, it's, it's uh, 
this this is actually feel go- good boy studying image. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this doesn't happen when um, there's you know off peak hours, right? Those particular uh, images we don't see them taking that long um, a time. This was really interesting because these images that were you know in the case of that. Um, for experience period during in the morning hours was actually being loaded from um, OBH. So it was like a third external third party that was actually causing and interrupting, um, you know, performance. And it's, it's interesting. I think they started out on 18th and we're starting to see again this, this disruption. So just something to keep in mind that, you know, outages don't necessarily have to mean um, a, a packet loss, a hundred percent packet loss. It's also degradation in terms of, you know, how the user is experiencing uh, a particular website. And, and now given that everything's online, uh, everybody is accessing these things online, there is some pressure um, that usage and demand is creating on these uh, services. Right, with that, let's go back here. And Anjali, do you want to introduce the state of the internet? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, just, you know, on the the outage numbers, if you want to get, you know, drill down into that a little bit more, you just go to thousandeyes.com slash um, outages and uh, or outage and you can get all of the numbers there. So we brought this up uh, last week. We are uh, going to be putting on a virtual summit uh, called State of the Internet. This is taking place on June 18th and we're putting together uh, the uh, uh, kind of agenda for the event. We're going to be unveiling some new research we are going to be, uh, you know, moderating panels with uh, with folks talking about internet performance during the recent period, talking about um, BGP route security, as well as um, the future of the internet. We're going to have folks from um, uh, in, that are network operators for internet infrastructure, as well as enterprise, and coming coming in and talking about their experience. Um, recently and what they expect going forward. So it'll be really exciting. Right. We have, um, if you've been watching our um, series, David Belson from the Internet Society is actually going to be uh, a part of this event. And he's going to talk about, you know, um, internet resiliency in particular. Um, we also have um, Edgecast on on the on our agenda as well. So the agenda is building and, and we'll keep you updated as to how Thank that's you. turning out. All right. With that, we are almost at the end of our show. And again, as Angelique mentioned in the beginning, if you're still not following us, it's, it's about time you do so. We're available in uh, any of your favorite podcasts here. And then um, if you follow us, you will um, get this uh, free t-shirt here or email us at internetreport1000nice.com and we'll send you that um, t-shirt working safely from home. And then before we uh, wrap up, next week is going to be interesting. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday because it's Memorial Day on Monday. But I think uh, the fun part of next week's show is we have Alan from Telegeography who is going to join us and, and really talk about submarine cables, air evolution, and how it's been holding up during COVID. Absolutely. Yeah, we chatted last week. So this would be a really interesting conversation. We'll probably talk about a number of things, not just submarine cables, but some of the research they do, um, how they map, um, you know, all of this. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens this week. So we can talk about it next week with Alan. 
All so right. with that, thank you for joining us. We'll see you thank next week. Thank you for joining us.